I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello and welcome to a mini episode of Cinematic Universe, the podcast that's all about comic book movies, which you can find at cinematicmultiverse.com. I'm your host, Joe Cunningham, and I'll be reading you a truncated version of the show to bridge the gap between our Superman 2 and Batman Mask of the Phantasm episodes. I'll be giving you my reactions to the comics that Seb and James recommended on last week's podcast, which were um, all Superman comics, Last Son, The Price, and The Death of Superman, but the... Uh, like original 1940-something version of The Death of Superman, not the 90s run. But before any of that, let's take a look at some of the comic book movie news that has broken over the past couple of weeks. Okay, we'll start off with the big one here. Ben Affleck is no longer directing The Batman. Um, Ben Affleck has dropped out. He's still attached as uh, the star and producer of the film, Um, but it sounds like this kind of DC universe is in even more trouble than we thought. Um, At this point, Aquaman is just about the only one of their films that doesn't sound like it's in any kind of creative turmoil turmoil whatsoever and has a firm plan for where they're going from this point. Um, So Affleck had written a script for this. Um, It's since emerged that Chris Terrio, his Argo uh, co-writer, has rewritten that script since his first draft. Um, Terrio also worked on Justice League. Um, so it has DC experience, um, but it leaves the Batman kind of um, up in the air a little bit. There's been a fan petition for Zack Snyder to direct the film, which doesn't sound like the uh, the wisest idea as, as far as I'm concerned anyway. Um, and it, it leads you to think that rather than this being kind of like an, an auteur-y kind of singular vision, or at least one man driving forward what he wants to do with the Batman... Uh, maybe in a slightly diluted way, but similar to what Tim Burton or what um, Christopher Nolan did with the character. This sounds like it is the Batman is going to be another one of the DC movies that has um, multiple creative inputs. Um, and the new director will be um, just another one of those. Um, we still don't know when the Batman's going to be turning up, what's happening with it. Um, but all not well at DC. And I think... Uh, I think this is a project you would you would have thought that they would be really prioritising um, and you have to wonder whether it's Affleck that decided to walk away or Warner Brothers who wanted, um, after the disappointment of Live, Not, Live By Night potentially, wanted uh, someone else involved. I think it's probably more likely the Affleck side of things. But either way, Ben Affleck no longer directing the Batman. We'll have to wait and see who comes in and uh, and rescues that one. Um, I did mention Aquaman, though, and that's the one film that DC has that looks like everything's coming together. James Wan's still directing, and he is um, 
casting up some of his uh, supporting parts. So we obviously knew already about um, Jason Momoa as Aquaman. We've got Amber Heard. Um, Willem Dafoe is in there. And Patrick Wilson already announced his cast. Um, and now apparently Nicole Kidman is in talks to play Aquaman's mother. Uh, Tamura Morrison has been rumoured to play his father. And the get-downs Yahya Abdul-Mateen II... Um, I hope I've got that right, um, is expected to be cast as the villain Black Manta. So everything coming together there at least, and hopefully they've got their underwater effects um, nailed down a bit better than they had in that brief scene from Batman v Superman, where it looked like Jason Momoa was holding his breath. Um, most of the other news, in fact all of the other news this week, is TV stuff. Um we have the Black Lightning pilot is moving over to the CW. Um, they've given that a an order for the pilot after Fox turned down the show. Um, Greg Belanti, who's producing this, who also produces the other CW superhero shows, previously said that he didn't think it would be a fit for a crossover with the with the other CW shows. Um, you'd have to wonder whether they're rethinking that now or whether the pilot will change slightly to incorporate it more into the rest of the CW world. Um, it would seem, I think, strange to be on a network with four other superhero shows uh, to, for it to be a DC character and for it not to fit into that universe. Um, but it's entirely possible. Um, I, you, and you have to wonder at some point, if the CW are going to be showing five DC superhero shows next year, if they do indeed pick up the pilot for Black Lightning, that maybe there should be a CW and a DCW. Just, you know, have a little ghetto for all of their superhero shows and then continue making great stuff like Jane the Virgin and Crazy Ex-Girlfriend and Riverdale over on the main channel. Um, but DC, a TV channel, given given the amount of success they're having at the moment, it's not a terrible idea for Warner Brothers to, uh, to consider. Um, at least their TV stuff is working out. Um, one other note on the CW TV stuff, um, Kevin Sorbo is joining Supergirl as a villain. Um, you'll probably remember Sorbo, or at least I do, as um, Hercules from uh, Xena the Warrior Princess and his own show. Um, and then Terry Hatcher, yes, Terry Hatcher, who was uh, Lois Lane, of course, in Lois and Clark, The New Adventures of Superman, um, is joining Supergirl for a multi-episode arc, and um, I can't wait personally she could be playing anyone but personally i just hope she is this universe's lois lane um i don't care about any kind of age difference with her and tyler hecklin or anything like that um i was chatting on twitter the other day to previous uh previous pod guest caroline cedar and um saying that lois lane is still my favorite um of all the lois lanes we've ever seen on screen at least at least in terms of kind of her performance fitting the top the tone of the overall piece she's just fantastic so i can't wait to see her popping up on supergirl um and um i will be chatting a little bit more about supergirl later in the episode so um stay tuned for that um Cloak and Dagger now, we're moving over to the Marvel TV stuff. Cloak and Dagger has cast its leads. Um, there's Olivia Holt um, and Aubrey Joseph. Um, now, Aubrey Joseph was in The Night Of. Um, I don't know either of them particularly well. Um, but Olivia Holt's 19, which, you know... And you look, you look at these two actors and they look like teenagers. Um, it's been described as a coming-of-age romance story uh, with superpowers. It's on Freeform, uh, which was formerly ABC Family. Um, and uh, I kind of like the look of this. I'm intrigued by it. I think Cloak and Dagger are characters that 
probably don't fit the big screen MCU right now, and I don't know whether I'd want to see them wasted on something like S.H.I.E.L.D., and they don't seem the right fit for Netflix. So doing something a little bit different here and have a teenage coming-of-age TV show um, sounds interesting to me. And I think that there is a, there's a lot of interesting stuff going on with some of the shows that are being pitched for television at the moment. Obviously, we've got Legion coming up soon with the X-Men stuff and... Um, Cloak and Dagger is one, I think, of the in, the, the most encouraging projects at this moment. Um, doing something a little bit different and uh, a young adult coming of age kind of uh, superhero drama sounds like a nice, uh, a nice refreshing TV show to compare to some of the, the other stuff we've got on TV. Um, perhaps in the same ballpark, uh, definitely um, a teenage cast again, is Runaways. Uh, which um, has been development in all kind of forms for years and years. Um, we heard recently that it was going to be getting a TV show adaptation, um, and that is the case because the uh, the show has been uh, cast now. So I'm going to run through a bunch of names and who they're playing. I haven't read Runaways, um, so I don't really know who the characters are particularly. Um, so I can't add much context. Maybe we'll get. Well, I think we've we've addressed Runaways on the main podcast before, but maybe I'll revisit it with Seven James on the main podcast at a later date. Um, but here is who has joined the cast: uh, Renzi Feliz Feliz is playing Alex Wilder. Lyrica Akana is playing Nico Minoru, um, who's one of the characters that I have heard of. Uh, Virginia Gardner is playing Carolina Dean. Ariella Bera is playing Gert Yorks. Greg Sulkin is playing Chase Stein, and Allegra Acosta is playing Molly Hernandez, who has been renamed from Molly Hayes in the comics. Um, if you look this up online, there's also um, brief character descriptions for all of the for all of the characters, what they're going to be like in the show. Um, and what I particularly liked about this cast is I could have read a list of the character names and a list of the actor names and not known which was which. Um, it's uh it's again another show i think you probably should be excited about um and uh yeah um james less so i think who's not a massive runaways fan but this is a comic book concept uh, that i've heard lots of good things about and um six kids who find out their parents are supervillains go on the run sounds like fun to me and i've enjoyed brian k vaughan stuff when i've read it as well before um this is a brian k vaughan adaptation um yeah i'm looking forward to this uh just as much as Cloak and Dagger. Um, but that is it for this week's uh, comic book movie and TV news, and we'll move on now to the comic book recommendations that Seven James gave me on last week's podcast. Um, so these were all inspired by Superman 2, um, and we've got um, two single issues. We've got The Price, which is from John Byrne, We've got The Death of Superman uh, from Jerry Siegel and Kurt Swan, and then a five-issue miniseries with kind of an extra little annual bit to fill in some gaps in the middle of there as well, uh, Last Son from Jeff Johns, uh, Richard Donner, and Adam Hubert. Um, so I'll start off with um, the comic I enjoyed the least of all of these, um, and that was The Price by John Byrne. Um now, occasionally on the podcast, Seven James uh, will, one of the two of them will recommend me a comic and I'll send an email to them and go, so tell me what was the, the reason for for me reading this beyond beyond what you explained during the recommendations last week. Like, 
why is it good or why is it important or why is it relevant? And um, I really struggled with the price, which um, James explained was kind of the final part of a three-part story and that it might be a little bit hard to get on, you know, get into the rhythm of or uh, it's kind of throwing you in at the deep end at the end of this story. But I, because I struggled with it so much, I did a little bit of Googling around and figured out, I kind of figured out the, the bulk of what was going on in this story. Um, so it is Superman. At the start of this issue, it looks like Earth has basically been destroyed and he's fighting um, Zod and uh, two of Zod's kind of um, lackeys who are like Ursa and Non, but aren't called Ursa and Non. Um, but he's fighting them and there's there's a couple of Justice League members around. There's, there's Batman and there's uh, Lex Luthor as well is helping out. Um, and I think Hal Jordan gets referenced at one point. Um, basically, we see very early on the uh, Kryptonians like melt Supergirl with their with their heat vision, um, and uh, everyone is basically being taken out and destroyed. And, and like you're joining this issue with the Earth already in tatters, um, and Superman basically retreats and flies down to Earth and flies down to. Um, I think um, the the wreckage of the original ship that he came to Earth in and is looking around down there and um, manages to lure in the Kryptonians. Um, and he has green kryptonite, which he manages to weaken them with. Um, no, that's not true. Um, <laughs> he has gold kryptonite which um, temporarily takes away the powers of Kryptonians. So he manages to basically lock them all up after weakening them. Um, and I believe this is the, the final bit, is the bit that uh, that is the, the, the thing that makes this comic particularly notable, which is that Superman figures out that he can't stop the Kryptonians. They're eventually going to escape and come back and... Uh, they'll fight him again and potentially defeat him and they've already killed all uh, like everyone in the world they've already killed so he exposes them to green kryptonite and kills them so superman kills these three kryptonians including zod um, and this is in the version of superman this this is john Byrne. i think this is uh, a couple of years after john Byrne relaunched superman with the man of steel miniseries that um seb recommended last year on the podcast maybe even the year before at this point um so, but it turns out that this is the 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 way that Earth is managed to be destroyed here is that it's not the original Earth, it's not the actual Earth, it's a pocket universe Earth because when John Byrne recreated, relaunched Man of Steel, because only the main titles got relaunched, they had to kind of create little pocket universes to still make some of the other titles make sense, even though they'd reset kind of like Superman and Batman and Wonder Woman's mythology. Um, so this pocket universe existed where there was a Superboy who um, Zod had come to kill, um, and Superboy was relevant, I think, because he was the inspiration for the League of Su the League of Justice. Possibly, I, I I don't know. I'm getting bogged down in DC stuff that I don't entirely understand. But that's that's the general deal here. So Superman is able to go back to his Earth at the end of this. Um, there is something with with like a the the supergirl was not the real supergirl either she was like a the real supergirl had been killed on the other earth and superman is able to kind of save the the husk of what is left of 
the fake Supergirl from the comic and, and takes her back to the main Earth. But I think James basically recommended this because Superman kills Kryptonians in it. And I I kind of understood that why that would be important, Superman killing, and you can you see him kind of grappling with it at the end, and I imagine that he probably continues to grapple with it in the issues following this, and we get to understand uh, why he did it or or reconcile how how to invest in a Superman who has kind of killed in cold blood like he did. Um, but I didn't have the context leading up to it and I don't have any of the repercussions coming out of it. So ultimately it was just a confusing kind of 20 pages of comic where um, it was one long fight sequence and then Superman killed some people. Um, and also it was happening on this other Earth where they're as far as uh you know the the stakes weren't really there for me either so it 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 really didn't work for me this one um i didn't really get it beyond superman killing people i think maybe if you've read a lot of superman or if you've read more of john burns superman this this might be kind of like a pivotal issue in all of that um but in isolation i i couldn't really get my head fully around it um so not for me this one but hey how we could they can't all be they can't all be home runs can they um the next recommendation um this was seb's recommendation this is superman issue 149 which i say again i believe was from um 1940 something uh from jerry siegel and kurt swan and this is um the death of superman um, an imaginary story which the comic goes to great pains to remind you on multiple, multiple occasions. Um, I'm going to read you the introduction to the comic here. Um, it's split into three parts, and the kind of the first page kind of sums up in each part what is what you are going to see throughout, um, and then proceeds to like catch you back up to that event. So this is Superman presenting an exciting three-part imaginary novel, which may actually never happen, but then again, may. Full of astounding surprises. For years and years, Lufor has been Superman's arch-enemy, stooping to any lengths to destroy the Man of Steel. He so bitterly hates, but suddenly, one imaginary day, the feud ends, Luthor quits crime, goes straight, and the mighty champion of justice he had once despised, and he and the mighty champion of justice he had once despised, become pals. Amazed? Prepare to be utterly flabbergasted as you read this astonishing first chapter entitled Lex Luthor, Hero. Um, and, um, this comic, I, I, I can't lie, it was an, an awful lot of fun, but I also can't profess to enjoy it quite as much as, as Seb does. Um, I, 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 I thought it was fine and I thought it was fun. Um, it's like very hokey, uh, kind of gee whiz, golly gosh kind of stuff, um, but the, the the actual the actual story it's kind of i thought it was i thought it was actually quite sweet and refreshing how just surface level it all is like there's no there's i i kept expecting like twists and turns and how's what's going to happen but now it's lex luthor pretending to be a good guy it turns out that it's all a ruse so he, he can kill superman um and then at the end he kind of is caught and made to pay for his crimes and superman stays dead um yeah it's 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 fun it's fine i but like i say that's that's about all there is to it um 
Yeah, so the, the first part, the Lex Luthor hero bit, is him in prison. He comes up with a cure for cancer um, because he decides that he wants to do good things for the world rather than bad things. And Superman helps him get these, like, meteors that are... One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection. Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Part of the rock that he needs to cure cancer and basically says look it sounds like Lex Luthor has turned good I'm uh, yeah let's let's back him up on this if he's curing cancer think of all the other good things he could do for the world so Superman kind of helps him and then the mob come to Lex Luthor and say look if you kill Superman or we'll kill you it's, it's not okay for you to turn Lex but Lex in part two kind of stays true to his word and says look I'm not gonna kill Superman and they keep trying to kill him and Superman comes and saves him and gives him a little watch like he's given to Jimmy Olsen and every time he's in danger comes and saves him um, and eventually takes him up into this lab in in um, that he constructs up in space so that the mob can no longer get to him and it's up there that Lex Luthor traps Superman uh, fires the green kryptonite at him and kills him um, and so yeah it's all been a ruse from Lex Luthor and uh He's never been a good guy. He kills Superman. And so everyone gathers at Superman's funeral in the third part, and it's all very sad. And then Supergirl uh, uh, disguises herself as Superman to go and catch Lex, and then tries him by... Uh, she takes she she shrinks him down and takes him to Kandor, which is the miniature uh, Kryptonian city, and gets the Kryptonians to try him. And um, they lock him in the Phantom Zone. Uh, and then Supergirl uh, kind of takes over for Superman and Superman is an inspiration but he's dead and so Supergirl and Crypto the Superdog go off to fight crime in Superman's stead. It's like I say, it's a very simple story. It's sweet, it's fun. Um, it's th There's never particularly a huge amount more going on than you, you'd think there is. Um, but it's, it's a nice little self-contained story, very well told. Um, and... I enjoyed it quite a bit. Again, not quite as much as Seb. Um, not, it's not one of my favourite Superman stories I've read, but I thought it was, uh, I thought it was uh, quite good fun, and um, it was nice to read a story where a character died, where at least within the confines of that story, it it stayed and it was true and it happened. 
Um, so that was the death of Superman. Um, and we'll move on now to the final recommendation, the, the bulkiest one, the, the kind of five and a bit issues that make up Superman Last Son. Um, so these are from Action Comics, um, from eight, issue 844 onwards. Um, I think it's 844 to 846, and then I think it maybe picks back up with 851, 852, uh, because there was a gap in there when Adam Kubert was ill, according to Wikipedia, uh, that they took a break. Um, yeah, and so this is... Um, this is where I'm going to get to talk a little bit about Supergirl because I was actually surprised quite how much of this comic seemed to have been inspired by or seemed to have been inspiration for the stuff that they've got in the Supergirl TV series right now. Um, there were characters and uh, situations and things popping up here and there that reminded me more of Supergirl than of any Superman stuff I've read. Um, but we'll so we, we will get to that stuff. Um, I guess again with Superman, it's I think it's always probably with any any kind of DC stuff. I think it's probably always good to um, clarify whenabouts in the DC uh, like reboots and stuff this happened. So this is all pre New Fifty Two stuff. Um, but Superman says something at one point about Supergirl only having arrived the year before. Um, so I'm guessing this can't be too deep into some kind of reboot. Um, but I'm not sure which, but it's definitely it's definitely all prior to um, the New 52. Um, and uh, Superman is married to Lois Lane, Clark Kent and Lois Lane are married, and Superman is, is kind of going about doing his stuff, um, just being Superman, when a Kryptonian pod crashes in Metropolis and there's a young boy inside. Um, and the boy, to, to all intents and purposes, seems to be Kryptonian. And Superman becomes very protective and kind of, I think, sees a lot of his situation in this in, in this kid. And, like, you know, he, he says at one point, if I'd have crashed into Kansas City rather than into Smallville, that would be me, with the world knowing about me and the military interested and, and, and you know, all, all of this stuff going on would have happened to me. So And kind of sees him and Lois as having the responsibility that Mar and Pa Kent had when he first arrives on Earth. Um, unfortunately, it's not only the military that attracts the that that the young uh, Kryptonian attracts the attention of, it's also Lex Luthor, and he sends Bizarro after Superman to try and capture the kid. Um, and it's at that point that Superman, I think, really resolves to look after look after the kid who they're now calling Christopher Kent, um, who I believe, I think he's turned up a lot since this series in, in Superman comics. Uh, but this is, yeah, he's Christopher Kent and um, Lois and Clark are going to adopt him. Only then three more pods crash on Earth and it's Zod and Ursa and Non. Um, and they're, they're all a little bit more modern in their imagining than they were in the... In the uh, in, in the movie we watched last week, Superman 2, but um, Zod and um, Ursa are romantically involved. Um, Non is kind of just this big brute force of a Kryptonian. He's been uh, lobotomized at one point, so he literally has no capability for any mental thought. He's just a, he's just a wrecking ball, basically. He's a Kryptonian wrecking ball. Um, and um, it turns out that Christopher Kent is not Christopher Kent. He is 
Zod's son. He's Zodanus's son. Except they've basically he's been born inside the Phantom Zone and they've been abusing him for years in there. And they were basically able to send him out of the Phantom Zone because of him being born there. And then his ship kind of leaving the Phantom Zone left a hole open that they, the rest of them were able to then escape from and come down to Earth. And so they come they come down and they learn more about Clark, well, about Superman and about his life there. They've also apparently been able to observe Earth from the Phantom Zone because the Phantom Zone's been floating just outside Earth for all this time. So by the time they get there, they know all about Superman. They are kind of able to catch him unawares um, and take him out fairly quickly. Um, and Superman might have a bit of a chance uh, against just the three of them. But then you see that not only have these three Kryptonians arrived, but there's an awful lot more. Because also trapped inside the Phantom Zone is Fort Ros, which is a Kryptonian prison. Um, and all of those prisoners, so kind of all of the worst of Krypton have been unleashed upon Earth. And there are hundreds of Kryptonians there to subjugate humanity. And But before they do, they trap Superman himself in the Phantom Zone. Um, and that's kind of the cliffhanger at the end of issue three, which is where the uh, where the gap in the in in the issues being released originally came. Um, now Fort Ross is uh, something that I'm aware of because of Supergirl that that is introduced there. This kind of alien prison where all of the kind of aliens that emerge in Supergirl uh, come from, particularly in season one. Um, so yeah, that's that was the, that was the first thing, and then this, then the issue four picks back up with Mon L, who again is a character who has been on Supergirl uh, in season two, um, and he is uh, his some of his backstory is explained in this Action Comics annual, which uh, comes in between in between these two issues, but you can kind of even if you didn't read that, I think you could kind of fairly swiftly pick it up superman is now trapped in the phantom zone mon l is still in there um for backstory reasons um and kind of helps superman and figures out a way for him to escape from the phantom zone and get back down to earth and try and take out the kryptonians there's still one bad dude up there but superman manages to uh with the help of mon l uh take him out and get on one of the kryptonian pods and go back down to earth uh, when he gets there, though, there has been a lot of havoc wreaked in his time away. There is like a Fortress of Solitude style thing in Metropolis. All of the superheroes are being captured um, by the Kryptonians. We see like Batman and Supergirl and um, and various other characters being kind of locked up um, as well as Lois Lane. Um, and Superman goes to the only person he can think to to ask for help, for help and that's Lex Luthor. Um, and Lex Luthor has um, he has uh, some other characters um, at his disposal. He has Bizarro, as we saw earlier. Um, he has Metallo, who has been equipped with kind of different types of kryptonite. He has red and gold and green and blue kryptonite in him that he can use against the Kryptonians. And there's another guy whose name I forget, but he kind of sucks the life force out of people. Um, he's called Parasite. That, that's uh, fairly, fairly, <laughs> fairly first base, I guess, for a name. But yeah, he's called Parasite, and so Superman has to kind of team up with Lex and his goons to kill or to take out the rest of the Kryptonians and try and send them back to the Phantom Zone. Um, and the fourth issue um, 
or the, the sorry the fifth issue this this fifth and final issue is mostly um big action scene stuff where the uh we see the humans trying to take on the kryptonians and failing and uh it's only when superman gets back involved and takes the fight to them that that uh the the battle kind of is actually able to rage in earnest um we see metallo with his types of kryptonite taking out kryptonians in like horrible disgusting ways the same with parasites sucking out their life force um it's really kind of quite grim and so you again you get an idea of superman kind of um taking kind of drastic measures to be able to take on zod and non-inersa because they're so powerful and he's kind of having to team up with lex doing these awful things um bizarro throws down with non which is very enjoyable for this just one panel where you see them running and charging at each other and uh and starting to fight um lex kills a kryptonium himself using uh, his various weaponry and his wiles um and that's that's really kind of fun to watch lex actually uh just using his smarts to kill a very very powerful strong kryptonian Um, and basically through his plans lex is able to save the day um except he's also kind of conspired what he basically wants to do is send all of the kryptonians back to the phantom zone by reverse engineering the rockets that brought them back up there um, and to trap them all back inside there again except superman is a kryptonian as well and it's going to take the exact number of kryptonians that it took in the first place um and what happens eventually is uh christopher kent who is also the son of zod and ursa um kind of sacrifices himself so that superman doesn't get trapped in the phantom zone and um it goes back up there with all of the rest of the kryptonians so lex's plan kind of works um but lois um because she's writing for the daily planet is able to sell christopher kent as the as the hero at the end of the day through the press and Lex is arrested and doesn't get credit for anything he's done. So that kind of seems like it sets up an angry, an angry Lex Luthor going forward. Um, Zod also implies that there is something even more terrifying trapped in the Phantom Zone with them who he will bring next time he escapes to come to Earth. Um, so that's kind of, that's kind of teased as well. Um, but Superman also, I think by the end of this sees Christopher Kent as his son. Um, and, uh, feels responsibility but it is kind of like this hero moment for chris kent to fly up into the phantom zone and lock it and trap all of the evil kryptonians inside um, and superman is able to still communicate with Monel in the in the phantom zone who says that he's going to look for christopher and try and look out for him while he's in there um, but superman is kind of intent on bringing him back to earth and back to safety um, and and that is last sun basically and while it seems like it is uh, stuck in a whole lot of continuity um, that I, I wasn't aware of uh, going into this, this was a comic that I really enjoyed. Um, I think I do enjoy the kind of the... When it comes to Superman and Batman and a lot of the DC characters, I kind of do enjoy the out-of-continuity stuff the best. Um, so stuff like All-Star Superman and uh secret identity and um i'm struggling to think of all of the stuff that seven james have recommended um but uh, yeah and again with batman stuff like year one i've enjoyed these kind of mostly out of continuity comics um a little bit more um than the ones that are in continuity um having said that there was this was um 
this was as as good a DC story in continuity as I um as I as I can remember reading. I uh, I really enjoyed it. I found some of the action scenes a little bit confusing in the earlier issues, um, just in terms of figuring out what was happening where. Um, but the artwork from Adam Kubert in the, especially in the final two issues, is really fantastic. Like the uh, the stuff in the Phantom Zone is gorgeous, and then the the final the final issue with all of the big fights and stuff. Um, it was uh, not only a lot more coherent, but just a lot, a lot more kind of. You, you see a lot of kind of um, experimentation with like the way that the Phantom Zone is depicted and the the way that the panels kind of are shattering at certain points into each other, um, and there are some just individual pages that are absolutely stunning, like half splash pages almost. There's uh, there's there's one where the Kryptonians are flying at the human army which is uh just this this gorgeous page of like red pink oranges um of explosions firing everywhere and it's just it's just really really nice to look at and then there's a there's a shot where all of the superheroes kind of escape uh, are, are set free by superman you see wonder woman and supergirl and and various other characters kind of flying out to join the fight which is similarly really impressive and there's there's one page that is kind of um split into kind of like prism shapes almost like the crystals in the fortress of solitude but they're, they're being split by each of the rockets the kryptonian pods flying back up into the sky to the into the phantom zone it just the final issue uh for, especially given that the first the first couple i was i was struggling a bit um to just keep up up with what was happening and where the final issue is just gorgeous start to finish um and and you know the story is engaging the characters are engaging um it's it's got a, a genuinely terrifying threat in zod zod at one point is going to murder his son to kind of prove a point to humanity um and you've got lex in there as well who is like lex at his most badass actually murdering kryptonians it's it's really really strong um i think possibly the only area of the comic that was a little bit weak was the lowest stuff just she just doesn't get an awful lot to do she's kind of sidelined for most of it even though she's there um and even even some of the stuff with superman and jor-el in the fortress of solitude works really well i love the the way that jor-el is drawn in this um kind of like a sketch that towers hologrammatically over superman um it's it was it was really good and it was uh, comfortably of the three recommendations my favorite this week so that was superman last son uh, which uh, I, I i give my most hearty recommendation to this week death of superman i quite enjoyed and the price i didn't quite get on with um but yeah three superman recommendations and um all um all for various reasons uh good reads after reading superman 2 after watching superman 2 in fact um but that is it for this week's show don't forget that our next episode will be on batman mask of the phantasm um we have actually recorded that already um we recorded that last week so if any of the news on the episode seems slightly out of date we do mention it on the podcast but most of the news we mentioned has 
uh, you'll be more than aware of at this point because it predates a lot of the stuff that I've actually uh, mentioned on this podcast. Um, but that, that episode should be with you soon um, and it was a really fun episode to record. Um, and uh, yeah, we, we're probably going to have a shorter gap between that podcast and the next one um, just because of uh, certain release schedules as well. So hopefully there'll be lots of Cinematic Universe goodness in your lives in, um, over the course of February. Um and if you are enjoying the show, then please do subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Player FM, or your podcast app of choice, and you can support us at patreon.com forward slash cinematic universe. You can find more episodes of the show at cinematicmultiverse.com, and you can get in touch via Facebook, on Twitter, at cu underscore podcast, or send us an email to cinematicuniversepod at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. 